Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Tiffany here from Swish, and I want to talk about being a problem solver. In my classroom, I'm always telling my equal firsties to be problem solvers. In first grade, that's one thing, but in adult life, it's a whole other. It can be really difficult to train your brain to go into a problem-solving mode. Maybe you don't even know where to start. It's a challenge that we all face in life. But when you learn to better help your brain find solutions, it's truly a great feeling. And if you've ever been thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. BetterHelp is convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's all online. And on top of that, they match you with a therapist just by filling out a brief survey. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com swish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash swish. Welcome to Swish and Flick, an all-Potter podcast. Swish and Flick, everyone. Swish and Flick. Hello and welcome to episode 114 of Swish and Flick. I'm Tiffany. I'm Megan. I'm Katie. And I'm the best one on the podcast, Sarah. And that's... (laughs) Probably pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. So today we will be discussing how our lovely author and queen, J.K. Rowling, uses colors, numbers, and draws inspiration from mythology and how the names of spells were created. Um, and we are actually live from the Seaport Ballroom in Boston at LeakyCon 10. Our first ever. Yeah. First ever LeakyCon. It's LeakyCon 10. Took us and 10 years to get here. It, it did. <laughs> we didn't even know we needed it. It's because they don't know we were walking. <laughs> Took us 10 years to walk here. Oh <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But, um, yeah, so we just want to introduce, because we do have some people in our audience this morning. Is it this morning? This afternoon. Um, they don't know about us yet. So we're going to do a little yourselves. bit about... Right. <laughs> can, can I start it? Yeah, Because I kind of started it all. Ta- so, oh. Sarah. <laughs> I mean, no, because so it started, what, two, uh, two and a half years ago. I wanted to... Um, I asked Tiffany. Tiffany and I are... She's married to my brother, so she's my sister-in-law. Um, and then I went to high school with Megan. And we all were, became really good friends because of Harry Potter. And I had asked a question to Tiffany, something about Draco and the wand or whatever. And... <laughs> She was finishing a reread, and she goes, well, let's... I'm like, well, I don't... We, like, I hadn't reread the books in a long time. I'm like, let's start a reread. And she's like, let me finish Deathly Hallows first, and then we'll do it. And then it was... That was April. May is Megan's birthday. So we went out to dinner, this Megan, Katie, and I, and then her roommate, Chris, who the poor guy had to listen to us talk about Harry Potter the entire time while he sat and ate crepes. He's like, cool, I don't know what you're talking about. I really did feel bad. He um, just had no clue what he was getting into. Literally, I'm not... The entire... I would say we were talking for two and a half hours straight about Harry Potter. So yeah. then we decided we were going to do a reread. Um, and then in June, it was the 20th, was it the, it was the 20th anniversary. It was when the books came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had a feast. We um, read the first two books and we talked about them. And we talked about the first book for like an hour and a half, two hours. And I just threw out, let's start a podcast. And literally the next month, our first episode was out. Yeah. It was actually talked too much. And, it, and, and if it sounds like it happened really fast, it's literally, it happened so yeah. incredibly fast. I think yeah. it was like within the next like, week or two we had bought things were ordered yeah. mics yeah. were ordered yeah. mixer was ordered we yep. were like all right where are we doing this and yep. um luckily enough i had a couple of friends that were um podcasting already so i was like hey what do i do how do i do this and then um 
we are blessed enough to have Megan and Katie be the amazing graphic designers that they are and tech nerds that they are. Um, So all of the designs that you see that are swish and flick are made and created by, by them, these two in the middle who are lovely and married to one another. Yeah. Isn't that cute? And honestly, it saves us a ton of money. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. What am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> so, yeah, Swish Swag is really pretty cool. I mean, yeah. look at that. Isn't yeah. that great? Talent. And we have great buttons like... in here and magnets and yes. stickers yes. and Please, stuff. After. And afterwards, come up and you yeah. can pick from Rate our it. swag bag. And yes, well, but. And that was two, two and a half years ago. Our first episode went live. Mm-hmm. Um, on Harry Potter's birthday. And I will yep. say, um, when inevitably you take your phone out and you do subscribe to us, because I know you're going to want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, those first couple of episodes, you know, we're just learning. So if our levels sound crazy and and we uh, we sound a little, yeah. you know. It's rough. It's because we it, are. It's because, because we are. We never, <laughs> I mean, podcasted before. but yeah. And but, we, we're rereading the series, um, but realistically, we just happen to be talking about it with a microphone in front of our faces. So the way that yeah. we do it is how we'd have a conversation. Um, you know, it's I, very casual. It's casual. We laugh a lot. We're not <laughs> crazy serious because realistically, we aren't. We are serious people, but in this yeah. kind of, it's kind of like a, an escape for us from, you know, all the like, negatives of daily life living, you know? Um, so it's just a lot of fun. And honestly, we don't let a lot of negativity into our space and any of our, um, like, online communities, which is great. Um, because that's, I think, we don't want to deal thing. with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like the best thing that's yeah. come out of this podcast is our communities that we've built on Facebook. Mostly, we've got a really awesome group and like a mm-hmm. support group that has helped a ton of people, and um, that's probably what I'm most proud of. I think from the pod. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now that we all know each other. Um. So as we started our podcast, it was within the first few chapter episodes that we noticed that there was an importance in numbers. Joe uses, I'm going to call her Joe because we're friends. Um, (laughs) She stopped answering our phone calls a long time ago, but, you know. She said, go do that podcast. So she uses numbers frequently, and they often have very important meanings. She doesn't just throw out the number three or the number seven or the number 12 or 13 casually if we know anything about our author we know that she has purpose behind all of these things so um during our episodes if you're if you're new to the podcast we started being like we should like i don't know how we said it, we would like identify you know when she uses these numbers and when she uses these colors and things and so we do a bell for numbers and colors it's literally one of those bells you'll find on like a store counter if they say like mm-hmm. ring you know and someone will come to the front so um, Katie usually is in charge of the bell, but lately we've been fighting over it. Um, <laughs> <Too fun. laughs> but whoever can get to it first. Yeah. Sometimes uh, there's two cause we both hit one. How many bells do we have in the basement? Three. No, we have more than that. There's like some, six. Yeah. Cause we, <laughs> we must be hoarders cause we haven't gotten rid of the ones that don't. I mean, there are some work, that don't work, but they yeah. claim that they're like, it doesn't work. It's a bad And bell. then someone else will use it and it works perfectly fine. <laughs> So we have debates over if it's user error or if it's the bell. I always think it's the bell because I wouldn't make a mistake like that. (laughs) (laughs) So numbers. (laughs) So 
what we're going to do today during this episode is we're going to just explore a little bit further about what are the meanings behind the numbers and the colors and the names for spells and the mythological creatures that we find within the series. So um, first up is the number three. And the number three is used so much in the series. Um, So, for example, the trio, right? Three. And they're essential characters within the series, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and all are stronger together. Um, and their bond really, they have their rifts, but their bond is never broken completely. Like, even though Ron does leave in seven, their bond, they, he is never forgotten. He never truly leaves them. You know what I mean? He physically does, but he never leaves, never yeah. leaves them. Yeah, I think most of that was like the Horcrux bringing out his insecurities Absolutely. and thinking he's not good enough to be around them and he's not good enough specifically for Hermione and, oh, one, one. and all of those things. So like the second, really the second he gets the Horcrux off of him, like the necklace, um, he wanted and to he goes back. through the warts, he literally was yeah. like, oh shoot, like what did I do? I need to go back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rowling also has the three Deathly Hollows, the cloak, the stone, and the wand. And when united, they make one the master of death so once again stronger together um so i also pulled it says um the archetype of the trinity appears numerous times throughout the potter series and at its heart the series is centrally focused on a triad of trinities the trio the unforgivable curses and the deathly hallows so if you think about it sometimes you're like oh yeah there are three of those oh there are three of Mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. and it's just it says an intersection of this triad is called like a super trinity. And I just like a super trinity. Think about all those things together. How powerful mm-hmm. all of those forces are. How powerful all of the Deathly Hallows are. And unfortunately, the Unforgivable Curses and the trio together mm-hmm. are exceptionally powerful forces. Um, I just really like that. So... Yeah. We, our, our listeners have named themselves Swishers. And so one of our Swishers, and I don't know if I told you all I added this in. You may have seen it when you were doing your own notes. But Vinny is one of our listeners, and he's a patron of our podcast, and he's always coming up with wonderful things. And so I reached out to him, and I said, Vinny, I go, I want to give you some credit for the work that you've done and the study that you've done. I was like, do you want to maybe tell me your thoughts on numbers? So... He brought up some references to the number three throughout the series um, and connections with things um, maybe that are biblical or in our other world. So the Peveril brothers, and he also drew a comparison to the three wise men from the Bible. The golden trio, as referenced, is a comparison to the Holy Trinity. I literally can't wait to talk about that in depth because yeah. we were doing yeah. an episode and he, we have a discord channel while we record and he was in there and he started like, I, honestly, like information. I, I don't yeah. know how it came about, but he started throwing all these references about the Bible and comparing it to Harry Potter. Like the trio is the Holy Trinity and Snape as, Judas. Judas. Judas, yeah. And like comparing all the characters to all these people and stories that we know, um, that the four of us know as Christians. And like, it literally blew my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, sidetrack, but literally, <laughs> we are going to talk about That's that gonna be in a fun an one. episode at one point, And I cannot wait. Oh yeah. my God, it was, it yeah. was so great. <laughs> 
<laughs> Literally <laughs> yelling. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. Um, some other comparisons with the number three. So the three gifts given to Jesus at his birth by the three wise men, paralleled by Voldemort's three gifts mm. given to him um, during the resurrection potion. Um, and it's mm, also so crazy. It says the resurrection in the Bible happened three days after the uh, crucifixion. Um, Harry uses the three gifts to embrace death and to be able to yeah. survive it. So the Deathly Hallows. Um, and he says the Hallows are like ingredients of the potion to rec. rec- I'm sorry. Resurrect Voldemort. The bones of the father are like the cloak, which was given to Harry by his father. The elder wand, which was um, Harry's ultimate tool um, from Voldemort in their last duel because he was hiding under it. And he like popped out and he's like, oh, hey, here we go. Um, the Did blo- he say that? He could have. He was like, hey, Tom. <laughs> he did call him Tom a lot, which was like. Hey. <laughs> Let's finish this the way we started in like the worst scene of the movie. Oh, can't stand that scene. That's yeah. for another podcast. <laughs> I know. I just had to say it. It's all right. So, um, where am I at? Oh, the blood of the enemy, which is taken from Harry by Wormtail. The flesh of the servant is like the resurrection stone given to Harry by Dumbledore. There is also the parallel that um, Wormtail and Dumbledore both lost um, the same hand. Ooh. Hmm. Mm. I never thought of that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not cool because that sucks, but it's cool comparison. I mean, Wormtail so, did that to him. Well, I guess they both did it to themselves, actually. Yeah, but I don't feel bad for Wormtail is the difference. True is I mean, true. yeah. yeah. Sarah, what did you say? His hand got sick? His hand got <laughs> sick, yeah. Dumbledore's well, hand got sick. Um, in the beginning of Goblet of Fire, Voldemort literally tells Wormtail that people would give their, is it his right, whatever hand it is, he literally says, he's like, I have a lot of followers that would give their right hand to, hey, to do does, what you're yeah. doing, and he literally does. Yeah. It's like, ooh, cool. I mean, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's move on to the number seven. So seven is supposed to be the most ma- magically powerful number, right? And if you go to what uh, once was Pottermore, now is wizardingworld.com, um, there's actually a whole infographic about the number seven. So that lets you know, like, these numbers are super important within the series if they're going to go out of their way to make an infographic about the number seven. So... Um, Let's just go through these. Seven books in the series. Seven galleons um, for Harry's wand. I really want to ding a bell, and it's bothering me that I'm not hearing it. So it would be no, it would be just so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> seven Weasleys. Seven floors at Hogwarts. Seven players in Quidditch. Seven obstacles guarding the Philosopher's Stone. Slytherin wins the House Championship seven years in a row. Mm. Until later. (laughs) And then Harry Potter ruins everything. (laughs) Um, Seven hidden passageways, seven keyholes in Moody's trunk, seven Mm. sickles for the price of Fred and George's canary creams, seven socks owned by Dobby. Um, Seven years old was the age that um, unicorns turn pure white Mm. because aren't they born gold? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, The Seventh level in the Ministry of Magic is for the Magical Games Department. Seventh year at Hogwarts, um, Lillian James became an item. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Seven owls for um, Harry and Ron from their exams. Um, Seven questions Bellatrix poses to Severus and Spinner's End. So that first chapter in Deathly Mm. Hollows. No, second chapter. 
Second chapter. Um, seven horcruxes containing fragments of Voldemort's soul. And he also asks Slug- Slughorn, well, isn't seven the most magically powerful number? And Slughorn's like, seven? What? It's a crazy Merlin's beard. <laughs> Merlin's beard, Tom. <laughs> Um, seven people disguised as Harry flying through the sky. Um, seven is the age by which experts agree magic will have revealed itself. Seven hours Harry spends sur- surveying the or surveillancing, excuse me, the ministry's entrance in seven. Um, seven oh. defense against the dark arts teachers in the series. R.I.P. Pour them out for some. Um, and it just says at the bottom, seven is the most magically powerful number. It is used a total of 159 times within wow. the series. Not 157? No. That would be too magical. (laughs) That would be too magical. The world would implode. (laughs) Magic would be everywhere. That's awesome. (laughs) I don't know. It could be dangerous. If you go to the lexicon, there's actually um, a bunch of quotes pulled from the series with the number um, seven within them. Like, I'm not going to read all of these to you, but um, Hagrid says, seven years and seven years there and he won't know himself um vault 713 right yeah. that combines mm-hmm. two of our magical numbers yep um seven sickles to the galleon i think we already said but there's just a ton of other quotes that is pulled from the series and i just i just really really enjoy that and um when we post these episodes our um links to our websites go in the notes so you can also look at these articles yourself um so, here we go. Number 12. I'm trying to go fast because I feel like I'm a little long-winded in my section today. We are not used to podcasting for an hour. No, we got to push <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Saying, I'm adding more things to my notes. I'm like, we have an hour. I know. Our pods are usually like an hour and a half to two to sometimes two and a half. <laughs> We've done three hours before. It's been a lot. Yeah. That's on like super important chapters, but... Even every time we'll have a short one, we're like, oh, it's short. We won't talk that long. And it turns into two hours of us talking about relevant information. You'll have plenty of content. Um, So the number 12. So there are 12 known subjects offered at Hogwarts. Um, Number 12, Grimald Place. Dumbledore discovers the 12 uses of dragon's blood, which I knew. I wish I would knew what they were. Shout out to Yumbledore in here today. Right? Yeah. You look real good. All right, all right, all right. This is a runway for you when we're finished, okay? Uh, (laughs) um, There are 12 Christmas trees that decorate the Great Hall. I wish I could be there at Christmas. Um, This one I found super interesting. At the Battle of the Department of Mysteries, there were 12 on each side. Six students and six from the Order, and then 12 Death Eaters. That's cool. Isn't it? I did it, not though? know that one. Know that You're either. welcome. You're yeah. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, 13 within the Wizarding World. So, um, this first one's a little meh. Lord Voldemort's wand is 13 and a half inches, so kind of 13, right? <laughs> um, Peter Pettigrew murdered 12 people after betraying Lily and James, as well as faking his own death. As a result, Sirius was wrongly convicted in the murder of 13 people. But Pettigrew later claimed his 13th victim with Cedric Diggory. Oh. Right? Because 12 plus 1 equals 13. I just really dislike him. Okay? Yeah. Shout out to Hufflepuff. Yeah. Pour Pour one one out out for Cedric. Pour it out. Yeah. I don't have anything to pour. (laughs) I'll just take a sip of water. Okay. Sips for sadness. That's That's what we do when we don't pour things out. Because I don't know if I believe in pouring alcohol out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Unless it's bad, but even what about so. if you? If, what about it makes it in your mouth? Yeah, what? that's good. Like you pour it, you don't waste it. You drink it. True. Yeah, that's a sip for sadness. Oh, Anyways, I'm sorry. Thirteen. The things. number thirteen. 13. Okay. <laughs> So this one's got a little bit of a backstory here, okay? So on Christmas Day, 1993, Sybil Trelone, um, professor of divination at Hogwarts, joins several of her pupils and fellow teachers for Christmas dinner in the Great Hall. She's fearful upon noticing that 12 people were dining in the hall, believing that were she to sit down, the first of the 13 seated would rise, would be the first to die, right? So... Fellow Professor Minerva McGonagall expressed doubts whether her uh, fears are legitimate or not. Mm. However, if Peter Pettigrew in his scabbers disguise is counted as the person, there were 13 people seated before Trelawney arrived. Since then, Dumbledore rose Mm -hmm. from his seat to greet Professor Trelawney, assuming that... um, this student, Derek, and two other unnamed students did not die before Dumbledore's death in 1997. Professor Trelawney's prediction was indeed correct. Well, and I feel like you would have known if any students died at Hogwarts. Some yeah. unnamed student died. We don't really care about him because it's not really important. You know what I mean? You would have been. been told. Like, <laughs> Could have been. I, I agree. We, we probably would have <laughs> We're known. just covering bases here. Yeah. Um, in 1995, 13 members of the Order of the Phoenix dined together, and the first to rise was Sirius, and Sirius was the first to die of those 13 Ugh. people. So sad. That's yep. so sad. I still can't, man. I still can't. Sorry. <laughs> um, Barty Crouch Jr.'s escape from Azkaban in prison in 1982 was not known publicly until um, 1995, which was 13 years later. Oh. Oh. Um, Lord Voldemort spent 13 years of his life without a body, and the Death Eaters had not met in his presence for 13 years before they did so in the Little Hangleton graveyard on the 24th of June, 1995. My body's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not a good comparison. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so I just want to point out that every, like basically everything that you have said up to this point about 13 is very grave. Sevens oh. are not so much. Like when you're reading the sevens, yeah. that's, a lot of good things. Happy honestly. magical number. Yeah. But everything you've mentioned 13 revolves around death or, That's you know, Barty point. Crouch Jr. escaping prison is obviously not a good thing. Uh, Lord Vold, it's, a, it's around Lord Voldemort. He spent 13 years without his body. The Death Eaters hadn't met in his presence in 13 years. It's just. It's all connected to like death and stuff, you know? Death and stuff. Death and sadness. <laughs> yeah. Too yeah. True. Too true. No, yeah. So. Um, 13 people came to collect Harry from number four Privet Jive for the last time in 1997. It's possible that this contributed to the bad luck experienced by these witches and wizards in this operation, the Battle of the Seven Potters. I'm just saying, yeah, that's bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thought you wanted to hold yeah. in. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One of the 13, Alistair Moody, unfortunately, dies that day. This one. And Katie, I apologize in advance. I know. I'm bracing myself. Okay. After Alistair Moody's death, 13 people sat in the living room of the Weasleys. The first person to stand up, Remus Lupin. Why'd you do it? Was the first to die. <laughs> Why'd he he's, not, stand? he's not dead. I... I I don't know where that paragraph came from. But he is. <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Did you have something you wanted to say? Was Moody the first to take flight when they left? 
Ooh. Oh, that would be interesting. But I'm. Oh, I have I the know. Kindle app. I'm gonna look that up for you right now. And I'll start. <laughs> and I'll start colors. You go. Okay, I will go. Go. Um, so the next, like, probably the next big connections that she makes is she always uses colors to show. Um, colors have so many different meanings, whether they're positive or they're negative, and colors can have both, like, both associated to them. Like, yellow has good and bad associated to it, and so on and so forth. So, um, and the other interesting thing about colors is that they can change their meaning over time with fashion or social awareness, familiarity. Um, For example, like, green a long time ago used to be considered an unlucky color because it was always associated with poisons or mm-hmm. bad things. However, since like environmental awareness has come around, it has shifted to mean good things like, um, you know, go earth. Yeah. Um, well they used to put poisons like that's how they got right. a green color. But also like we always talk, um, cause we're big Disney fans, specifically these two. Um, and, oh, yeah. There's a whole saying, like, evil, like, every villain is lime. Like, you see a lot of lime green in Disney films. And, yeah. Scar, um, when mm-hmm. he's singing, be prepared, is surrounded yeah. by green. So it's, like, associated. And we just, mm-hmm. we went to Salem on Friday, and um, they were talking Ooh, about yeah. The Wizard of Oz and how when, it was, like, the first movie in Technicolor, and they, in the book, she is not, the Wicked Witch of these is not green, but they really wanted to make her look evil and really they now had the technology to have you see the green color so that's why they did it they made it to make her look more evil um so then you associate it yeah they yes. also did it's green cool. because of paganism just repeating because yeah. yeah. i don't for the pod yeah <laughs> just yeah. Pick, yeah. very cool I, it's just like <laughs> it's good. fascinating um and so then you have all these connotations of you know oh green it's associated green with all of these things yeah. yeah yeah um so Pottermore slash WizardingWorld.com had a great article that came out where they talked about the significance of colors specifically in Harry Potter. Um, So whether it's talking about your magical identity, demonstrating what your house is because the house colors are so prominent, um, or just, you know, wondering what the most appropriate shade for a wedding is. I think that comes in with Fleur and Bill. Uh Um, There's no denying colors are important. Mm -hmm. So the first one is red. So um, along with gold, red is one of the colors of Gryffindor. Both were chosen because of their connection to Gryffindor's element, which is fire. Um, And it's also connected to Hagrid, whose first name is Rubius, which coming from Latin, Rubio means red. J.K. Rowling explains that the name is a deliberate nod to the alchemy Oh boy, am I going to say this word? Alchemical. Like alchemy. (laughs) (laughs) But that was probably butchered. Something that Um, Nicholas Flamel did. Yeah. They all know. (laughs) Uh, So the process associated with transformation. So with the red being an essential mystical component. Haggard is passionate, warm, and having been sorted into Gryffindor, red through and through. Which I thought is great. Like, who would think Rubius Haggard is a connection to the color red? But it is. Well, he's the best Ruby. person ever. So, yeah. <laughs> he is. That's Sarah's favorite, in case yeah. you didn't catch on to that. <laughs> but outside of the Wizarding World, red also means energy, passion, action. Um, and its association with Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart, is particularly apt. It fits it very well. 
It makes me think of Aries. I'm an Aries, so and I'm not a Gryffindor, but it makes me think they have similar traits of being like fiery. You know, yeah. it's like it's a fire sign. So I am actually an Aries and a Gryffindor. You're so How cool. perfect. <laughs> I am a fiery creature. Yeah. <laughs> um, another cool fact about red is that it's one of the oldest color names. It's the first color to be seen in the rainbow. This is just like boosting her ego. Um, and has it's right here. The, the great, the my greatest. color has royalty, so ha. That's fine. Mine's we like can fight sometime. about this later. Let's fight about it later. Um, and it has the the greatest emotional impact of all. So the positive connotations with red are love, luck, passion, importance, which I bolded in my notes because I think that it's important that Joe chose red for Gryffindor because it was in the books the most important house because everything revolved around it. Um, and negative things were war, danger, the devil, which in Potter I don't think we really touch on that too much she mostly focuses on the positive connotations of it but just to throw that out there um next is white so white is like the ultimate in lightness and i think that that's why she uses white with albus dumbledore a lot um doesn't his name mean white like bright white yes it does the best so the counterpoint to hagrid is dumbledore whose first name albus means white um, Hagrid's associated with emotion and Dumbledore represents calm. Mm. So they're almost like polar op- opposites. Like in the Goblet of Fire movie? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I love Michael Garrett. Don't get me wrong. My Perfect point is different interpretations I like to of calm. Think that that is in there. So the people that have not read the stories and don't know, know the importance of like how terrified they are and how worried they are for hair. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal for a kid to be doing that, Truth. in my opinion. Did I love it? No, but <laughs> <laughs> just. Um, so, you know, white also has to do with, like, spirituality, and um, it's it's about striving for brilliance by detaching yourself from the world, which, again, is what Dumbledore does a really good job of. Um, and color psychology specifies that white is the color of purity and innocence. Mm-hmm. I don't think that matches <laughs> Dumbledore very well, but um, we doubt Dumbledore would lay claim to either. But it's no. certainly a calming color and a natural balance to the passionate earthiness of red. Very cool. Um, then the best color, which is green. <laughs> uh, so it's associated with Slytherin. So it is also unfortunately associated with dark magic um, and jealousy. Uh, and Harry has green eyes, which is, so it, it, I don't know where I was going Maybe with that. Maybe it's Voldemort in him. I don't know. He, he deals with the, he grapples with the, uh, he grapples with the dark side. Yeah. He toes that line. Yeah, but Lily didn't. And it was her eyes. So why? Yeah, but she seems like a little ha- mischievous, you know? She is very fiery. I know yeah. that. She, she's an so ambitious I mean, I, kind of gal. Yeah. Was yeah. an ambitious kind of gal. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they're like good versus and, evil. And you know, everyone has light and dark inside. It's just what you choose to do. Ooh, thank, thank you, you Sirius. Jinx, also, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> no. Uh, only also, I think like the standard like witch look is that red hair, green eyes. I think that's just mm. like yeah. what you, you can see, see that a lot. lot. I can yeah. see that. Um, so like Gryffindor's colors, green and silver of Slytherin are connected to Slytherin's element, which is water. 
Um, and in folklore, green has long had supernatural connection. Like we were talking to with uh, earlier about like the Wizard of Oz and witches. It's very associated to witches. Mm-hmm. Um, and J.K. Rowling explained that the color is said to belong to fairies, and it has an association with misfortune and death. So consequently, green should never be worn at weddings, which I think is interesting. Tinkerbell wear a green dress? She does. Oh. She's yeah. a fairy, right? She is. Okay. Oh, Just thoughts to think. Yep. Um, also, wear whatever you want to a wedding, unless it's white. Unless you're the bride. <laughs> Uh, so there are also positive connotations with green, which include energy and rebirth. Um, so in the wizarding world, Joe tells us that it's used to reveal magical status to other wizards and often in combination with the color purple. So like some of the students at Slytherin House, the theory behind the color is somewhat slippery. So there's a lot of good and bad with it, even mm-hmm. though it's associated a lot with bad in the books. There's mm-hmm. still... But do you... like? Uh, McGonagall is often wearing emerald green robes. She is. And Do you have something on this? Pos- no, I'm oh. sorry, I don't. But I just wanted That's to okay. say the the like the positive things, like mm-hmm. yes, there's like growth and rebirth, like I said, but um also freshness, youth, health, peace, calm, growth, renewal, all mm-hmm. of those kinds of things, which which I think that like I think that that fits McGonagall. I mean she's not youthful, but oh. she <laughs> Just because we you don't even know how you are, you, you aren't youthful. I'm just saying you can have a youthful spirit. That's me. I'm just, I, I'm just being a devil's advocate. Just because she could <laughs> be 90 with a youthful spirit. I met a lot of them. Yes. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, always, I like that a lot. It always reminds me of like the Scottish Highlands. Like right. she's just green. So what our um, listener said was that um, McGonagall wearing green was like a nod to her um, Irish heritage. Yeah, I like that a lot. So that's pretty cool. I also wonder, like, I wonder what her, do you think her second house would have been Slytherin? She seems like that could maybe fit her. What she was a headstall between Ravenclaw and Gryffindor, correct? Was she? Yes. yes. Yeah. Darn. She's one of the very one of the only true hat stalls. She just yep. seems like she also could fit into Slytherin too, but I guess we all have traits I mean, with We can us. make a case for every person almost in any house. We've had this discussion. That's true. You know, I it's mean about I could kind of see it, but she's very intelligent and um witty, I would say. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um Hold on, okay. she's got a question. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) it's important to note that Lily's eyes are green and Severus Snape's house is Slytherin. And they have that Mm -hmm. connection in the Mm -hmm. books. Um, And I'm going to try and go through these quickly. Mm -hmm. But purple is the next, which has um, the positive traits of purple are bravery. What is that? Aristocratic. Aristocracy. <laughs> Thank you, educator. I appreciate it. Um, but like, I associate that with like royalty too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Spirituality, mystery, luxury, mm. and the negatives are conceit, mourning, death, and rage. Death for purple. Whoa. I know that I was could... surprised me. Was that? To... It was in. Um, so Tiffany's <laughs> Tiffany's friend had given us 
uh, these books because she's an art teacher and it laid out all of these like positive negative connotations of colors and it was in it was in the book about colors mm-hmm. and yeah it said depth I wonder purple. sometimes like if if you have a dead body and like say they've been bruised it's a purple be purpling I don't know just things <laughs> just I'm just saying it just it's not great I'm gonna say purple's great because it's a switch color so right. <laughs> It's also associated to, like, religion, though, Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And it's tied to imagination. In the Wizarding World, Joe has identified purple as a color associated with nobility, um, helpful magic, which is why Dumbledore is represented by the color uh, on Pottermore, like, his his illustrations and everything. Like, he's wearing purple robes quite a few times throughout the books, which I think kind of shows shows us his status Mm -hmm. in the books. Um, And then... We have blue, and I thought that Sarah would appreciate that blue is associated with being the best. Holla. <laughs> That's because I am the best, and I also look phenomenal in blue, just saying. <laughs> I also look great in red, but. <laughs> blue, uh, so royalty, again, for blue, the best. Heaven, coolness, truth, I am loyalty. super cool. You're super cool. <laughs> And then the negativity is introversion, sadness, depression, coldness. So it's like very... Two opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Um, And it also matches Ravenclaw's element, which is air. So... um, (laughs) Thank you. The door's over there. Um, Like I said, in psychology, blue means trust, uh, loyalty, which actually kind of sounds similar to Hufflepuff traits, which I find to be funny because Sarah is very adamant on her second house being Hufflepuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't think that it is, but she thinks that it is. But okay. this is an ongoing conversation. She is loyal, though. I mean, I'm not saying she's not loyal. What's happening? I love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and it also is equated to a higher level of intelligence. So that sounds very Ravenclaw, in my opinion. It matches the house very well. Um, Yellow can often be used as a warning sign, but its positive connotations are truth, loyalty, um, cheerfulness, happiness, hope, warmth, which literally, if you go on Pottermore and type Hufflepuff, the picture, like, just emanates all of those things of like the common room. It's like the, the brick walls with the circle windows and the sunlight coming in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just feels cozy and warm and happy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Um, and then lastly, we have, we have pink, which I thought was an interesting one that they include, but um, there are many shades of pink in Harry's world, just as there are many types of people. So from the shocking pink of Tonks's hair, which right, is a yeah. positive thing, we also go to um, Dudley. Mm. They say por- they even Porky Dudley and the salmon shades associated with Aunt Petunia. <laughs> she always uses like pinks and reds when she's talking about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all, obviously we have Professor Umbridge. So it's like opposite ends of the spectrum with pink. Um, for Umbridge, pink is an affection as false as her laugh and her kittens. So it's very, uh, it's like a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like a. I think it's a facade. Yep, that's Ooh. it. Thank you. It's a facade. Yeah. So she's like trying to portray herself yeah. as this 
oh, look at me. I'm all kittens. Especially with her mm-hmm. voice. And you know, mm-hmm. I The more evil hate- she gets, the more sweet her voice gets. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, and, um, it's almost like that phrase, kill them with kindness. Yeah. Kind she's of literally so trying she's to kill like, you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I can't stand that cats are associated with her. <laughs> because yeah. I love cats. And I was like, why are they all over her office? Because she likes them. I don't know. Can we go back to Tonks for a second? Yes. Um, Tonks' hair changes back to that bubblegum pink when she is feeling at her most best. Because we yes. do know that when she and Lupin go through her their little thing where they're, uh, you know, they want to be together, but, you know, he's being Lupin and, we, you know, he's like all down on himself and everything. Um, her hair turns to the mousy brown. Yeah. So it does reflect her good, positive feelings. Yeah. I like that. I wonder if she can actually, I know she can control it, but I wonder if her emotion is connected to her hair color change. Like if she starts, like say he's like, yes, let's be together. If her hair is just like, boom, we're going pink again. I bet it's fast. I would hope so. Because I think like for her, she, that's just her personality too. It's like very... She's bubbly. Yeah. Like it just happens yeah. naturally. She doesn't have to be like, all right, my hair's pink now. It just like naturally happens that yeah. way. All right. Am I up? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and fly through this a little bit. So Are you on a Tempest 2000 or a Firebolt? <laughs> Firebolt. Firebolt. Yes. <laughs> so Harry, the Harry Potter books are loaded with Latin. And it all starts with Hogwarts motto, which I'm not going to try and say it in Latin. I'm just going to say never tickle a sleeping dragon. <laughs> um, so Latin is the language of mysticism, alchemy, secrecy, and legend. It's also the language of magic. And we could dive into so many comparisons here. She uses it for locations. She uses it for names. But we're going to focus on spells. Mm. Um, some translate pretty directly like almost perfect and then others are kind of crafted with little fragments so i'm just going to go through a few and some of them like you might know but some i didn't even know so here we go so akio one of those literal ones it means i summon hey come on Uh, over (laughs) there's finite and cantatum so finite is made up of finis or ad finum, which means to end. And incatum comes from encanto, which means bewitching. So put the two c- together, it literally means to end bewitching. Ooh, so like stop that. the spell. It's cool. It's very Pri- cool. Mm-hmm. Priori and cantatum. A priori means from the earlier. So that means mm. to... Previous. Yeah, bring from before. Uh, expelliarmus sounds pretty uh (laughs) you get it expello means i banish and arma means weapons so it literally means to steal your weapon uh lumos literally means light nuff said (laughs) (laughs) nox means night again nuff said um expecto patronum i like this one so latin patronus literally means a protector or an influential person expecto means i look or i wait so it it translates to i wait for a protector I found another source that in ancient Rome, a patronus meant a protector, but in a different way. So that was someone of a high class or a patronage who um, had uh, their relationship with a client who usually was less rich or lower class. So mm-hmm. patron most likely came from the term pater, which means father in Latin. And what I like about that is Harry's patronus yeah. is his father. Yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. It's yeah. good correlation. Yeah, That's cool. That's part of my uh, claw coming in. <laughs> <laughs> um, obliviate comes from, I'm not going to say it, but it means I forget. <laughs> Wait, what? I forget what you just Ob- said. Oblive. Obliviscore? Uh, Obliviscore. I don't know. Obliviscore? I don't know. Sure. sure. 
uh, <laughs> Petrificus totalis. That's a mix of three words. Where's my bell? Um, so Petros means rock or stone in Greek. Fascio means to make up, make or to do, and totalis means whole. So you become a whole rock. <laughs> <laughs> Um, ridiculous is one of my favorites, not just because it's Remus Lupin and he's my man. Um, so it does sound a lot like the English word ridiculous. Did I say that right? Did I say the spell? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it can also be derived from the Latin word ridicu- ridicu- ridiculum, there we go, which means laughable. So mm. I like that because how do you defeat a bogart with laughter, not mm-hmm. just the magic? Stupefy is to be stunned. It's stupio from Latin. So let's get a little bit darker. We've got sectum sempra, which is two words. So sectum is seco, meaning severed, mm. and sempra is means continuously. Oh. So this literally Ooh. means like to continuously slash Be like you. Slash, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty accurate to what it looks like. Do you think yeah. that Grego has scars from that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> it's because it's dark magic, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just um, like traces. Harry always has the scar on his hand from yeah. Umbridge, you know? And his hand. Yeah. And, well, yeah, that one too. I guess that's more important <laughs> than his hand. Do you think Harry's <laughs> kids were ever like, yeah, Dad, you must never tell lies. It's written on your hand. Do you think they've ever used it against him? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> like, hmm. We have imperio, which the root is imper, and that's seen in other Latin words like, imp- like impero, and that means I command. And that makes you do things. Mm-hmm. Crucio literally means I torture. That's Oof. exactly what that does. Avada Kedavra, according to J.K. Rowling, its roots are Aramaic. And it derives from the original Abracadabra, how classic, <laughs> uh, which means let the thing be destroyed. And I have to round off the spells with Wingardium Leviosa because swish and flick. Right. So wing, obviously, it's not Latin, but it gives you the imagery of like flight or levitation. Um, Ard is from Latin artis, and that means to be elevated. And then levy means to lift, swish and flick, Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> uh, so one last cool thing. As I said earlier, Latin is a language of magic, but some of Joe's spells, actually only two are derived from Greek. There's only two mentioned in all of the seven books. Um, that's anapneo, which clears your airway, and episki, which is like for minor broken bones. Um, and those are both Greek because Greek is a language of physicians and they're used for medicine. That is so, so cool, cool. Katie. Yeah. I thought that was That is neat. super neat. Um, before Sarah starts her portion, I wanted to answer your question. Um, so I'm not sure. So you can make of this what you will, but I'm going to read just a little bit to you. It says, good luck, everyone, shouted Moody. See you all in about an hour at the borough on the count of three. One, two, three. I bet you he was the first to go. I bet he was too. Yeah. So my mind is blown. Good job. <laughs> Shikes. Woo. All right, Sarah, it's all you. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about mythology, um, and we don't have a crazy amount of time, so I'm just going to... You got this. Go, go, go. I went to go push my glasses up, and they're not on my face. So Joe uses <laughs> sources from history and mythology in her writing, um, and we see, this is like one that I have known for a long time with um, in Sorcerer's Stone. We see that Hagrid, um, in the movie, it's different. I forget who he got it from in the movie, but in the books, he gets the three-headed dog Fluffy from a Greek fella he met down at the pub. Hmm. Um, and I never in, saw his face. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in um, Greek mythology, you have Cerberus, who is a three-headed dog that guards the entrance to the underworld. Um, and, you know, they're both guarding entrances. You see that they um, Fluffy is on top of the trap door, and... 
Um, they're both lulled with music, although Fluffy actually falls asleep. Cerberus, I think, just like has his like mouth hanging open. Um, <laughs> and I just thought that was really cool. And we've talked about that on our podcast as well, um, the nods to that. And then another... Um, Little small nod. It was Percy. He gets a new owl, and I think it's is it two? Is it Chamber of Secrets when he gets his owl? Whenever he becomes prefect, I think it's two. Yeah, I think that's two. Yeah. Um, but he gets an owl. His name is um, Hermes, and in Greek mythology, Hermes um, is a god. He's primarily um, known as like the herald or the messenger of the gods, but he's also the god of shepherds, land travel, and literature. More specifically, he was known as a patron of poetry. Which I just think is really cool. She just plucks plucks little things. Um, and another one, and I, I remember we had talked about Professor Trelawney and doing a nod to, in Greek mythology, there's Cassandra Trelawney. And right. I don't think on the original Pottermore site that it said that she was related to her. I think that was just speculation. But now on um, WizardingWorld. on the wizardingworld.com, it has like her article. Um, it's just called Sybil Trelawney. And the very first sentence is, Sybil is the great-great-granddaughter of a genuine seer, yeah. Cassandra Trelawney. And it says, her gifts has, have been much diluted over ensuing generations, although she has inherited more than she knows. Right. Um, and with that story in Greek mythology, it says, <clears throat> and um, she was one of the priestesses, nope, that's not what that says. It says, <laughs> princesses of Troy. Um <laughs> According to myth, she was astonishingly beautiful, and she was blessed with the gift of foreseeing the future, but her curse was that no one would believe her. Oh, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I forget all of this. Um, And it's a fact that weighed heavily on the destruction of Troy during the Trojan War. So um, that's one thing with with our Professor Trelawney, you know, people don't believe her, and it's almost like every time we talk about her and even on, on the sites, they were like, well, she doesn't really ever predict anything true except for like those few prophecies with Harry. But like, she did know that Neville was going to like knock over the teacup and stuff. So like, is she really, and people just don't believe her and no one even in like Joe doesn't even give her credit for it. But, um, it's like hard to think like, Oh, does she actually say things? Like she just throws them out and they're like, Oh, it's just professor Trelawney saying those things. Or if she just honestly no one believes her. I thought you were going to say that she knew Neville went through puberty well. No, he, he knocked over the teacup. And then he, knew, he knew something was going to happen to, was it Lavender's pet or something? I don't mm-hmm. I don't. Bunny. Yeah. 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 Yes, yeah. Know yeah. Was so, it's, so it's like, is she reading people or reading yeah. the future? Right. And when we talked about it on our podcast, I related it to that show Psych where, yes. you know, he portrayed himself as like a psychic, but he was just very good at reading a room and like seeing the people and like what their little the mannerisms were and yeah. all the details and then saying it, which I mean, I mean, that that's pretty astonishing in and of itself. Um, and another cool thing with Kappas, um, and we see Lupin teaches that to his students. Um, and just with the fandom, it says Kappas are a species of magical scaled covered monkeys from Japan who possess magically increased strength. Uh, the focus of which is in the water they keep in a depression in their skull. That's crazy. Um, and so, and they're from Japanese 
culture, and it says in the waters of Japan, um, there lurks a creature that is as mysterious as it is terrifying, the Kappa. This strange creature is thought to hold magical powers that can be used for both good and evil. Unfortunately, the Kappa prefers to use its gifts to play tricks on humans or lash out violently towards them. Though many refuse to believe in the existence of the Kappa, there are many sightings still today, especially in the countryside of Japan. In fact, locals still hang warning signs near bodies of water thought to be frequented by the Kappas. Interesting. Um, and this another thing, it says the Kappa is a mytholo- mythological monster said to inhabit ponds and rivers in Japan. Um, and it says it's both, at least in this culture, it says appearance of both a humanoid and reptile are both extremely cunning uh, has over different eighty different names, and usually the the most common one is a kawapa. I probably said that wrong, but it's just a cool little <laughs> in in sense. And I didn't grab a ton of information on the line on the line on the line, <laughs> just because um you know we don't have a ton of time, so there's much right. more to go, and we could honestly talk about this for hours, and we um, probably will at some point. Yeah, because there's even like just stuff with we did a whole episode. We talked about basilisks and. And um, how really there's stuff in, you know, religious beliefs and all of that stuff. And it's a representation of good and evil. And it's um, it's it's really interesting how she pulls all these things. And there's a great um, book. And she did a whole thing, the, the history of Harry Potter. She had a big exhibit in, in England. And then they brought it to New York City. And we were able to see it. And so just to see a lot of historical things that she pulled um, her information from and just even her own writings, and we got to read some of, like, we got to see her handwriting and read drafts that she didn't put into the books. Um, and so that's a great, it, I mean, it's more a picture book because if you want to get the book, but it was really cool to see, like, the historical yeah. things and um, the the stuff that she got, picture paintings and all that stuff is all in, compiled in one book, so. There was a lot of mythology in that exhibit. Yeah, I mean, it's it really, great. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, and um, I know that I really enjoy reading mythology and like seeing where she gets stuff from. So I literally I could talk for hours and hours about it. But <laughs> we wanted to open this up, and if you guys have any questions for us, if you have any questions about this one specifically or any Harry Potter related, whatever you want to ask us, you can go ahead and ask us. Do you have a couple basically. minutes left? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what our listener said, sorry, because they can't hear you, so now they will. <laughs> um, what the listener said was that um, Lily's green eyes and that Snape is jealous of her relationship with James, um, thus uh, connecting um, green and jealousy together, right? Because a lot of people always say I'm green with envy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, we're, like, that in itself, I wonder how long that saying has been around. Yeah. yeah. It's from yeah. Othello? Yeah, it's Iago says it. Oh, I- the green-eyed monster. Iago yeah. says it in Othello, the green-eyed monster. See, I'm learning things today. This is fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you think that some of the Latin roots for the names were a little bit too obvious? Like, Remus Lupin means wolf wolf? Literally, like, werewolf, like, McWerewolf, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. So um, someone asked if they think that Joe was being too obvious with how she used Latin in spells. I will say that I think just as witches and wizards, those would just be 
that just kind of feels like that would be the spell to me. I don't know. What do you guys? In old language, like it would for just be like it would just be like this. Repair, but even so but with names and stuff, like I think that. Oh yeah, as far as names go, <laughs> I, I like part wow. of me wants to be like you know, as a kid reading it, like for the first time, like all of that went over my head. So maybe Same. she's thinking correct. Like, yeah. As as a young a young person who who's not like like dissecting it as we do. Um, and maybe she, Tiffany will like, not, I wouldn't say get mad at me. She'd be like, Sarah, you have to remember when I'm like talking about, I go deep into timelines and like, she'll say, you know, this happened on whatever date. And I go, actually it was a Saturday. Like she, <laughs> like that's how far I go into it. And she's like, she probably never thought that people would dissect it as yeah. much as we do. Um, so maybe part of her was like, I wonder if anyone's going to get, I'm naming him Wolf Wolf. Like, I wonder if she calls him like little Wolf Wolf, like while she's writing about it. Like that's, that's yeah. something like I think of, like, I don't know if she really was cause kids, I mean, unless they really know, but who, what kid knows Latin really? Right. Yeah. And I, as a, sorry. That's okay. Okay. So as an educator, I really appreciate the fact that she added those in there because, mm-hmm. um, I, as as these started out as children's novels, we know as they continue on, they're not so child-friendly. Um, and I just uh, can appreciate it so much because otherwise, I don't think kids would go out and be like, oh, I wonder what that means because mm-hmm. I encounter um, in my work a lot of students who would be like, and they'll just straight up be like, I don't know what that word means. And I'll be like, let's go ahead and I'll pull my phone out and be like, let's look up what this means right now. And the kids will ask about that. So that opens up even more doors for them to explore language and where it comes from. And Mm -hmm. I appreciate it so much. It might be obvious for some, but like Sarah said, I was a kid when I read these, I fell for all her tricks. I thought Snape was the worst. He was bad. He would never turn good. He killed Dumbledore. There couldn't (laughs) be any other way. Like I fell for all her tricks and mind games because that's, just the kind of reader I was, I felt like it makes the books so much better for yeah. me personally. But some people who were like, I remember when they were coming out and somebody was like, no, Snape is good. Dumbledore asked him to kill him. And I'm like, no. So I love what she does there with <laughs> no. no. Um, did you have anything to add? We have very little time. I was, I was just going to say that, that, at this age, I would say, yes, she's yeah. too intentional. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think, like they're saying, as a, ch- as a child, it's almost like she was teasing us with these Easter eggs. Like, I dare right. you to look yeah. that up yeah. when you start reading this book <laughs> and see if you can figure out what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Um, and I think that part of it was just almost a game. Um, yeah. so, so because of that, she was writing towards... 10 to 13 year olds and how many kids would just know that. So, um, so I do think that it was, it was more so like a, like a little Easter egg that she was putting in there to see who's going to catch on to this. Who's going to understand this. Imagine Hermione Granger being like, Oh my God, his name is Remus. Oh, I got this. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> she seems the one to have been like wolf wolf. Huh. Oh, it's interesting. Well, she is the Let one me... who figured it out. Is she, she did? Yes. Yeah. 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 But she had the decency not to say anything. She's a good not, person. It's she not her story right. to tell. That's right. right. Eh? Yes. <laughs> um. So we want to thank you for joining us today. Um. You can find us on all the social media platforms. You can go ahead and take your phones out right now if you'd like to go to your favorite <laughs> podcasting um, a site and go ahead and subscribe. No, I'm just kidding. But really do it. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter at TiffSwish underscore Flick. You can follow me there. Katie and I are on Instagram and Twitter at the Petrus Family. Oh, uh, I, 
Well, that was us. So it's two for one. I'm on Instagram if you want to follow my boring life. It's O Mally. It's O H H H Mally. Three H's. Three H's. Ding. We also have a website, Swishflickcast. Dot com. Well, yeah. Dot net. It's dot com. Dot com. Swishflickcast.net. It's dot com. This joke. Okay. Feel free to come say hi after if you see us walking around today. Come get your swag. We have magnets. We have stickers. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yes. You know, we try to make it sound fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to close out this episode real quick so you get to see this live for my Swishers who are here right now. So that concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And don't let the muggles get you down. We did it, friends. <laughs> thank you, truly. Thank you. Yeah, Have a great rest of your time and travel safe. Um, hope you enjoyed us blabbing on. Welcome. Yeah. Are my friends ready here? I'm ready. Are my friends in the audience ready here? Okay, let's go. Hello and welcome to episode... Nope. Are we labeling this one? Hey, (laughs) restart. (laughs) Go ahead. I mean... Come on in. (laughs) Just say say it. We'll do it. Okay. I didn't know we were numbering this If it's not, we'll just switch it around. It's fine. Okay. So here we go. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.